Hey, listener, this is Josh Elledge, CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We are actively seeking guests for our daily commercial-free entrepreneurial inspiration podcast. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to UpMyInfluence.com slash guest. Let's get on with the show. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. I am your host, Jen Amos, and I am really excited. I already had a, a wonderful offline conversation with this incredible woman. So let me go ahead and bring her on to the show. We have Margaret Kimishian Ng, who is the founder and owner of M3E Change Associates. Her website is M number three letter E-C-H-A-N-G-E.com. That's M3Echange.com. So a little bit about Margaret and her company, M3E Change Associates, is a management consulting firm specializing in virtual workplace technologies, large IT system implementations, change management, process redesign and harmonization, organizational development, training communications, and leadership coaching. And they have worked with institutions all around the globe. From her extensive network with trusted, highly skilled professionals in a wide range of disciplines, Margaret creates project teams that are tailored to the specific needs of each client. The most impressive thing that I also have to add to her bio is that she is a mother of two. Margaret, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, um, I think I, I think it's important to start off with this because uh, we were talking uh, a little extensively about this offline, but 2020 had been an interesting year. And so I thought we'd have you start sharing because obviously everything I listed is amazing, but I think it'd be best to talk about how does that look like in, like in terms of application today. So tell us maybe a little bit about um, what your business was like pre-pandemic and, and how it had yep. pivoted for the pandemic and beyond? So I have been in and out of my own business going on 17 years now. Mm. So um, every time I've had a major life change, and this is for the moms out there, Mm -hmm. every time I've had a major life change, I have decided to either go back out on my own or decided it was too scary being on my own. And I needed to go Mm in-house. So, for example, um, in my career, I have worked for KPMG Mm -hmm. on W-2 as an employee. Now, I was still a consultant, but I was working for KPMG's clients and their people and change organization. Now, why did I do that? Because I had a two-year-old at home, and it was pretty scary being out there on my own, right? Right. Um, Now, why did I leave KPMG? It was going really great. Well, I had my son. And when he was 16 months old, he was diagnosed with autism. Mm. And at the time, I was traveling 80 to 90% internationally and wasn't able to do the kind of advocacy and spend the type of time with him Mm -hmm. uh, that was really needed um, for a special needs kid. So anybody who knows um, anyone who's got a special needs child or maybe you have a special needs child they take a lot of advocacy and it really mm. takes a lot of working with social workers and, and going to bat for them to get the services that they need. So I decided to go back out on my own so that I could be in charge of my calendar again, right? Mm. So, um, so pre-COVID, we're humming along. Um, you know, we've got some good contracts going. We've got some global projects going. A um, couple of good ERP implementations are underway. Um, 
for those of you wondering, just to back up a second, I'm an organizational psychologist mm. who specializes in change management. So, huh? What that means <laughs> is um, anytime there is a major change or shift in a company, there's usually fear and resistance from the employees, right? We all hate change. Right, right. So if you're going to change my sandbox, I'm going to feel possessive of my sandbox and I'm not going to want you to mess with my sandbox, right? right? So that's when you hire somebody like me who comes in and talks to you to find out what you really love about your sandbox so we don't mess with those things, but negotiates to change the other parts of the sandbox that maybe you're not so hung, like, clinging right. on to, right? right? So I that's the simplest way I could explain it. But that's a, that's a great analogy, by the way, Margaret. Because like when yeah. you say I'm an organizational psychologist and I'm all about change I'm a strange I'm a change strategist. It's like what is like that's what the heck is that? Yeah, it sounds very yeah. technical, but I love how you go to the sandbox. And it's like, yeah, you think about, you know, not to, you know, degrade it down to being a child, like talking as if you're talking to a child, but really if you're if you've been comfortable as an employee at a certain place for a long time, right. And then things change, of course you're gonna be like, what are you doing? Like why yeah, like don't what fix are you doing? what's not broken, right? But I'm going to be defensive. I'm going to yeah. be fearful. I'm going to resist the change, but we've always done it this way. I've been mm-hmm. here 25 years. It works. It's not broken. Why right. are you touching it, right? So, right. Um, and my job is to be empathetic to that mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to work with that mm-hmm. and understand where management's trying to go and bridge the gap, okay? So that's basically what I do. Um, and then, you know, outcroppings of that are a training plan, a communications plan, um, you yeah. know, you know, town halls and forums, right? That's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. But um, I was going someplace with this. There was a purpose. I said all this. Oh, pre-COVID. Okay. Yes. So we are humming along. We're doing these ERP system implementations. We're doing big change, sweeping change. Um, and then COVID happens. Mm. And everybody realizes, oh, crap, my customer base has just fallen away, and I have no income. And it turns out people like me are nice to haves. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about it. The first people who get cut in an organizational system are trainers, HR employees, (laughs) right? And your organizational psychologist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's just how it is. just the way it is. So um, it just so happened that come June, you know, everything kind of came to a screeching halt for me. And around March before that, my kids, we live in New Jersey in the United States, and my kids were sent home from school and we started doing virtual schooling. Mm. And our schools in the United States, and especially here in New Jersey, were very ill-prepared for this. We never, ever expected that our K-12 through teachers would be in a situation where they would have to teach our kids and not be in the same room with them. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, these teachers are out on their own. They're trying to figure out to the best of their abilities how to do this. They're, for the most part, on their own. They're not receiving a lot of guidance from anybody about what to do or how to do it or what's the best practice. Right. And so they're all inventing the wheel on their own. 
-hmm. It was very painful for them. It was painful for us as parents. It was painful for my children. And remember, my son has autism. So at this point, he was six and a kindergartner. Mm -hmm. Um, I had an eighth grade daughter and uh, she has ADHD. So we were really struggling as a family. So June, my business evaporates. Wow. And I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. I've got experience in global companies. I've been a virtual educator all my life. I implement virtual technologies. I do communications for a living. I do coaching for a living. Mm. I implement IT systems for a living. I get people talking to each other and and, and collaborating for a living. Mm -hmm. Why couldn't I help the schools? So I revamped my business, pivoted, and that's what we've been doing ever since is working with K through 12 schools, um, helping them to master virtual teaching and what has been coined as hybrid teaching um, here in the States, and which is honestly a not the right word for it, but we'll go with it. It's hybrid teaching is when a teacher has virtual students on a computer and also has kids live in the classroom with her. Mm -hmm. And she's expected to teach the live kids and the virtual kids at the exact same time. Right, right. Let me tell you, not easy (laughs) at all because they require completely different skill sets. Mm -hmm. So... You know, if you are catering to the kids in the room and you've got them humming along and, and grooving, you just lost the kids on the computer. Mm. If you're catering to the kids on the computer and you've got them situated, you've now lost the kids in the room. So it's really a balancing act that we have been working um, with teachers to figure out how to manage. COVID changed my business. Um, I had to figure out how to survive. I had to uh, figure out where did the business go? Yeah. What was the current industry trend? What was the current industry need? Mm -hmm. What skill sets do I have that fit the needs I see around me? Mm -hmm. And then, by the way, I'm really passionate about educating children. So it was a mission for me, right? So, um, It always helps to have a a, a calling, I would say. If you're going to have to revamp your entire business, you better want to do it, right? So, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, Margaret, wow. I mean, first of all, thank you, you know, for sharing all of that. And, you know, I think if there's um, anything any of us were most concerned about at the start of the pandemic, it was the kids. Um, It's like, how are, you know, because we're told very often that kids – uh, learn better uh, with like physical contact with, you know, in-person type of interaction, like hands-on types of things. Um, and, you know, part of the educational system is developing um, like social cues and, you know, right. relationship skills. And so when you are, um, when you're forced, like I, I think about my, what do you call it? My son-in-law um, who he's barely two and pretty much half of his life has been in the pandemic. Like Every Sunday, we'll, or every Monday, we'll check in with family. And uh, the good thing is that he can see who we are on screen. But right. what will it be like 
if we meet him in person? Like, is he going right. to notice us? Is he going to be afraid of us? <laughs> like, I have no idea how that's going to look like. And I just imagine that, um, like this generation is going to be studied, I think, for a very long time to see what it's like for the youth, for the kids to learn virtually. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have concerns, honestly. I think that a lot of superintendents and principals I've spoken to share these concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, how are we going to meet the social emotional needs of the children? Right. And meet the academic objectives at the same time. Oh, and by the way, keep everybody healthy. Right. Um, You know, it's a very, very, very tight rope that they are walking in the schools right now. Um, I've already gotten three emails about, you know, this kid came down with COVID and we've done the contact tracing and we don't have to close the school. Mm -hmm. Everything's fine. But, you know... 14 other kids are sequestered right now. You know, like how long is this going to go on and how long can it be sustainable? Right. right. Um, Which is why I haven't stopped my mission because I feel like we're going to wind up again in a situation, especially with the weather getting colder and people Mm -hmm. having to be more indoors now. Right. And maybe not getting as much fresh air circulating through the buildings. Mm -hmm. Um, I can see us winding up in another lockdown. Um, now listen, we just found out there's a vaccine on the horizon, right? But, Mm -hmm. um, I think that there's some reality there in terms of how fast can you distribute a vaccine? How quickly can you validate that it's working? Anyway, I I just, I don't see this going away anytime soon. And I think that this has really changed for us, um, the face of education and the face of business. I there's no more snow days, kids. I'm sorry. I hate to break it to you, but no more snow days. Now you're just going to have a virtual day. Right. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. So, you know, one thing I I found in this pandemic, and I I apologize, I didn't mean to cut you off, but one one thing I have found is um, just how much, uh, for people that are fortunate to still be working, um, we're working a lot more. And I think it's because of like, oh, you don't have to commute anymore. You know, like that time is cut in half, essentially, you're more productive now, you could be more productive, and you could be more available, because you could do everything virtually. And I think there's um, a lot of, um, there's, there's that expectation that you're supposed to be more productive. But um, again, you throw you throw mental health out the window. (laughs) I think in that sense, and of course, it's not any better for the kids. Um, Just like what you said, there's no, there's no more snow days, like, right, you you can't call the day off, you're working from, you know, you're studying from home, there's no excuse, right, right. And, and companies have figured out finally, because we have been telling them this as change practitioners for years and decades now, mm-hmm. it is possible for a person to work from home, get their job done and be accountable without sitting at a desk. Mm, that's right. Yeah, it is possible. And oh, by the way, they just figured out they don't have as much overhead. <laughs> they can cut back on their real estate footprint. Right, right. So let's talk a little bit about um, a little bit more about how you've adapted to helping out the school systems. Uh, maybe we can give a little insight to um, you know teachers or even parents who uh, have to uh, teach from home. What do you feel like is the biggest thing, the biggest new thing that you had to educate, um, let's say, teachers and the school systems and even parents on in regards to uh, teaching virtually? 
I've had to get my teachers to think a little out of the box. So they at first were so overwhelmed by the technology, Mm -hmm. by figuring out how to do breakout rooms, by figuring out how to upload their PowerPoint deck, by figuring out um, how to manage a breakout room, that really what I've been doing is teaching them how to manage their class, manage their students Mm -hmm. through the technology as a tool as opposed to a hindrance. So for example, Mm -hmm. I just had a teacher I was working with the other night and she came to me and she was like, my kids are bored. They're, they're shutting down. They're, they're like tuning out. And I, I just, I I don't know what to do because they're all virtual. She had Mm -hmm. a fully virtual class. And I said, well, tell me a little bit about what you do, you know? And she yeah. was basically assigning them reading. And then they would come to class the next day and she would do a lecture on what they just read. Mm-hmm. I said to her, what if you made them act it out? Wow. What if they had to improvise a scene and you assigned different roles and they had to improvise what they just read and you did the debrief that way? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you can certainly do that virtually. You don't have to be live to do that. So yeah. that was a big aha for her was, oh, wait, there are games. There are techniques that I do know that can be used in this medium mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that I don't have to permanently park aside. Um, you know, in breakout rooms, she was telling me she didn't feel like she could use breakout rooms because. She couldn't possibly be in every room to police every single room all the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I told her, no, 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 no. You're going to assign a timekeeper. You're going to assign somebody who's responsible for making the notes in the PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. You're going to assign the person who's presenting when you come out of the breakout room. And you're going to assign somebody else another role. So now they're self-policing and they are managing each other through peer pressure because now they're on task and they're on the hook to deliver something and they only have 20 minutes to do it. Wow. Love it. And when we come back together as a group, now I'm going to look really stupid if I can't do it in front of my peers, right? So it's peer pressure. And that's the psychology piece, right? So how do you turn something that's normally a negative like peer pressure into a positive? (laughs) Right. There you go. Uh, I I love that, Margaret. Um, And I'm just curious to know, how did you get into, um, and correct me if I'm saying this incorrectly, organizational, organization psychology. Is it organizational psychology? Okay, how did you, so tell me how you got into organizational psychology, because I just think it's so, so fascinating. Yeah. um, Yeah. So (laughs) I have a bachelor's degree in musical theater. That's not in the bio. Um, (laughs) My degree is in musical theater. It's in singing, acting, and dancing. I've been on stage since the age of eight. And I was a triple threat. And Mm -hmm. I grew up outside of New York City, right outside of the musical theater capital of the world, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so that's what my bachelor's degree is in, musical theater. When I got out of college, I was doing a musical and I was working for Peanuts because that's what you do when you start. And I wasn't in the Actors' Equity Union yet. Mm. And we have a saying in theater, we say break a leg, which is supposed to mean good luck. Yes. Except I really did. Broke a leg. Oh. 
broke a leg. Sorry to hear that. And I now had to get a real job because I had to pay some medical bills Mm. and do something in the meantime while my leg healed. And my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, said, you've got all these platform skills from a lifetime of performing. You know a whole bunch of computer software. Why don't you go teach computers for a while? Had he never said it, I don't think I ever would have married the two in my mind. And I discovered this whole new stage out there called facilitation and training. And I started out as a Microsoft software instructor. Mm -hmm. Then got into instructional design, training management, and then I got frustrated with the limitations of training when it comes to behavior change. Mm. If you truly want to change a person's frame of reference, if you truly want to get at beliefs and value systems, a training course by itself will not do that. Mm -hmm. And so that's what drove me to go the next step and figure out, well, how do I drive behavior change? Mm-hmm. How do I get somebody to really change their core beliefs? Mm-hmm. And that's how I got into organizational psychology and organizational development. And I've been doing it ever since. Yeah. So not think, the answer you expected, I bet. No, not at all. And I'm pleasantly surprised. Um, <laughs> and I, I imagine, I mean, I can only imagine that, uh, you know, really studying behavioral change is the reason why you've been successful for so long, because you've learned at really kind of a core level how to make that shift and how to teach other people to make that shift when change is inevitable. And so um, I just think that is absolutely impressive. And, you know, going back to uh, just how you even pivoted during 2020 um, and helping the school system, um, you know, I want to I want to wrap up in a way and, and talk directly to our uh, small business owners and entrepreneurs that are listening to the show. And I think with that in mind, the fact that you pivoted um, and, and you did that out of being mission oriented. Um, I kind of want you to speak to our listeners about like, maybe that drive, talk more about that drive, because I know that a lot of people are, um, and I know I'm sort of like rambling, so just bear with me. I'm, I'm like, yep, yep, yep. yeah, but what I think what I'm trying to say is let's, um, if you can elaborate more on, um, just that drive t- that you should have as an entrepreneur and understanding that like things will change. Um, and that's what a lot of us are going through. So any wor- any more words of wisdom around that um, and that pivot and that change and, and everything? Stop worrying about what you're going to be when you grow up. <laughs> Just stop. Because the truth is you're never done growing mm. up and you're constantly evolving and you're constantly changing. If you had asked me when I was 20, if I was going to be on Broadway someday, the answer would have been absolutely yes. <laughs> And then I broke a leg and I had to figure something else out. And so I found facilitation, which is, by the way, performing with a purpose. Um, And acting is the study of human behavior. Acting is the study of body language. Yeah. So it absolutely dovetailed into what I wound up doing um, as a professional in terms of being able to observe a group play to my audience, notice in the room who wishes they weren't there and who wants to melt through the floor at this very moment, (laughs) right? So it all came in handy. Now, when my son was diagnosed with autism, that was a big pivot 
Right. I took myself and I learned about early childhood development and I got a certification in uh, DIR floor time, which is a technique Mm -hmm. um, for working with children with autism. Um, And I got myself certified in it so I could work with him. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I, I was convinced when he was two that he was going to kill himself and I was devoted to getting an autism service dog. And so if you look on my profile, um, margaretking.com, you'll find movie clips of CBS and ABC interviews of how I raised $35,000 within 13 months to get a service dog. Um, You just, it's about mission focus. It's about passion, mission focus, and what am I doing next? It's what am I doing next? Get the whole, what am I going to be when I grow up out of your vocabulary? You're never done. The question is, what are you doing next? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a a great way to wrap up our conversation today, Margaret. I love that. Like, stop thinking, stop asking yourself the question when, you know, what am I going to do when I grow up and really focus on what do I got to do next? Like what's next on the plate? What's next today? Like, what are we doing yep. today? Right. What's, what's and, today? What's next? You, absolutely. And you are a testament of that, Margaret. And so I just want to uh, take this time to thank you so much for being on our show today. Um, anything else you want to share? I just want to make sure we covered everything that you want to share to our listeners. <laughs> No, I think this was an unexpected conversation and I think it went in a really positive direction and I'm pleasantly surprised we got here and I think that uh, I wound up sharing some stuff I didn't anticipate. I didn't practice in my head, but, um, <laughs> but I'm glad I got to share and I, I hope that uh, people find it valuable and useful. And um, I guess my parting words would be, you can be a mom, you can own a business you can have a child with uh, with uh, special needs and still manage to do it all. You just have to be mission focused. Beautiful. Uh, Margaret, thank you so much for your time today. It was an absolute pleasure having you. It was wonderful speaking with you. Thank you so much. Yes. And to our listeners, once again, that is Margaret Kinesian Ng. She is the founder and owner of M3E Change Associates. You can learn more about her and her company at letter M, number three, letters E-C-H-A-N-G-E.com. That's M3Echange.com. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence each month. We scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? Well, we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans, totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback 
helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Thank you.